Welcome to Near-Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. The uh, near-death experience of Pam Reynolds can be uh, searched online, and you can see a BBC documentary about it. There's a beautiful uh, description of how she... It's it's one of those ones that if you're looking for proofs of near-death experience or proof of afterlife, whatever... Um, it's a great one to see simply because they go into a lot of detail about um, how the procedure completely shuts down the brain. Now, Pam had a brain aneurysm and needed brain surgery for this. And, and it's one of these cases where they put the body, well, they basically induced clinical death. Um, as the doctor describes in the BBC video, if you wanted to uh, have a lab to see, to learn about the reality of, of the afterlife and near-death experiences and so forth, this was it. And, and this doctor that is talking, he was one who studied near-death experiences. So it's a very interesting thing. So if you're interested in the uh, proofs aspect or evidences aspect, I encourage you to just Google... Pam Reynolds' near-death experience, and what you'll get is the BBC documentary. There's also an NBC documentary that is similar. Um, the uh, BBC one is fun because they've got all this kind of, you know, uh, they got the sound effects and the eerie music, kind of like a ghost story kind of a thing, but obviously more of a joyful type of a thing because of her experience, but... Uh, but you're welcome to go see that. What I'm going to share with you is the experience on near-death.com uh, because she gives some details on here that I really like um, that go more than just the the evidence. You know, she could not have seen or heard this because she was out and all this stuff, which was kind of the focus of the documentaries. Uh, still beautifully made, but uh, she gives some more beautiful details here that that I really like. So, Pam says, The next thing I recall was the sound. Now, I'm going to interject here. Pam was a singer-songwriter. Music was her life. So, when she says a natural D, I believe her. I think she (laughs) probably knew what a D sounds like. Anyway, the next thing I recall was the sound. It was a natural D As I listened to the sound, I felt it was pulling me out of the top of my head. Uh, The further out of my body I got, the more clear the tone became. I had the impression it was like a road, a frequency that you go on. I remember seeing several things in the operating room when I was looking down. It was the most aware that I think I have ever been in my entire life. I was metamorphically sitting on the doctor's shoulder. It was not like normal vision. It was brighter and more focused and clearer than normal vision. There was so much in the operating room that I didn't recognize and so many people. I thought the way they had my head shaved was very peculiar. I expected them to take all of the hair, but they did not. The next thing that I hated the sound of looked like a electric, an electric toothbrush, and it had a dent on in it, a groove at the top, where the saw appeared to go into the handle, but it didn't work. The saw had interchangeable blades, too, but these blades were in what looked like a socket wrench case. 
I heard the saw crank up. I didn't see them use it on my head, but I think it, I think I heard it being used on something. It was humming at a relatively high pitch, and then all of a sudden it went like that. Someone said something about my veins and arteries being very small. I believe it was a female voice and that it was Dr. Murray, but I'm not sure. She was the cardiologist. I remember thinking that I should have told her about that. I remember the heart-lung machine. I didn't like the respirator. I remember a lot of tools and instruments that I did not readily recognize. There was a sensation like being pulled, but not against your will. I was going on my own accord because I wanted to go. I have different metaphors to try to explain this. It was like the Wizard of Oz being taken up in a tornado vortex, only you're not spinning around like you've got vertigo. You're very confu- or you're very focused and you have a place to go. The feeling was like going up an elevator real fast. And there was a sensation, but it wasn't a bodily physical sensation. It was like a tunnel, but it wasn't a tunnel. At some point, very early in the tunnel vortex, I became aware of my grandfather or grandmother calling me. But I didn't hear her call me with my ears. It was a clearer hearing than with my ears. I trust that sense more than I trust my own ears. The feeling was that she wanted me to come to her. So I continued with no fear down the shaft. It's a dark shaft that I went through. And at the very end, there was this very little tiny pinpoint of light that kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. The light was incredibly bright, like sitting in the middle of a light bulb. It was so bright that I put my hands in front of my face expecting them or expecting to see them, but I could not. But I knew they were there, not from a sense of touch. Again, it's terribly hard to explain, but I knew they were there. I noticed that as I began to discern different figures in the light, and they were all covered with light, they were light, and had light permeating all around them, they began to form shapes I could recognize and understand. I could see that one of them was my grandmother. I don't know if it really, if it was reality or a projection, but I would know my grandmother, the sound of her anywhere, anytime. Everyone I saw, looking back on it, fit perfectly in my understanding of what that person looked like at their best during their lives. I recognized a lot of people. My Uncle Gene was there. So was my great-great-aunt Maggie, who was really a cousin. On Papa's side of the family, my grandfather was there. there were speci- they were specifically taking care of me, looking after me. They would not permit me to go further. It was communicated to me, that's the best way I know how to say it, because they didn't speak like I'm speaking, that I went all the way into the light, Something that if I went all the way into the light, something would happen to me physically. They would be unable to put me back into the body me, into the body me, like I had gone too far and they couldn't reconnect. So they wouldn't let me go anywhere or do anything. I wanted to go into the light, but I also wanted to come back. I had children to be reared. 
It was like watching a movie on fast forward on your VCR. You get the general idea, but the individual freeze frames are not slow enough to get detail. Then they, the deceased relatives, were feeding me. They were not doing this through my mouth like with food, but they were nourishing me with something. The only way I know how to put it is something sparkly. Sparkles is the image that I get. I definitely recall the sensation of being nurtured and being fed and being made strong. I know that sounds funny because obviously it wasn't a physical thing, but inside the experience, I felt physically strong, ready for whatever. My grandmother didn't take me back through the tunnel or even send me back to, or ask me to go. She just looked up at me. I expected to go with her, but it was communicated to me that she just didn't think she would do that. My uncle said he would do it. He's the one who took me back through the end of the tunnel. Everything was fine. I did want to go. But then I got to the end of it and saw the thing. My body. I didn't want to get into it. It looked terrible, like a train wreck. It looked like what I was, dead. I believe it was covered. It scared me, and I didn't want to look at it. It was communicated to me that it was like jumping into a swimming pool. No problem, just jump right into the swimming pool. I didn't want to, but I guess I was late or something because he, the, my uncle, pushed me. I felt a definite repelling and at the same time a pulling from the body. The body was pulling and the tunnel was pushing. It was like diving into a pool of ice water. It hurt. When I came back, they were playing Hotel California, and the line was, You can check out any time you like, but you can never leave. I mentioned later to Dr. Brown that that was incredibly insensitive, and he told me that I needed more sleep. <laughs> and when I regained consciousness, I was still on the respirator. Okay, I love this. I love it. So, a few things. I find it interesting that um, her grandmother, when she was preparing to return, um, her, you know, she kind of got the impression that her grandma was going to be coming with her uh, to taking her back. But her grandma um, was kind of like, yeah, I don't think I will this time. You know, and, and at first I was like, that's odd. I wonder why her grandmother didn't want to. But as soon as she gets back to her body with her uncle, you realize why. There was going to be some resistance there. And, and, and she says in the BBC video that her uncle had pushed her. I, it said that here too. But but in the video it says that, that, uh, that it took her a little while to forgive him for that. But she has since forgiven him for that. <laughs> Which maybe is why her grandma didn't want to. You know, she, she knew it was going to be hard for her. It was going to be painful for her. And she's like, I don't want to be the one to do that. I know it's got to be done, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> that's that's kind of the imagery I'm getting, which which shows, you know, these are very human-like emotions that that uh, these spirits, these people are experiencing. We often, um, when you first hear of an experience, you know, or, or like the one that we read yesterday where everybody was happy, and, oh, everything's so wonderful all the time, and happy, happy, happy this... And, and it almost can give a little bit of this feeling of like, well, I don't want to like lose my entire personality to 
joy. I don't want to lose my entire personality to just being happy all the time. Oh, this smile plastered on my face and I feel wonderful. It's not like that at all. There's lots of feeling, conflicting type feelings, but they're in such a higher vibration and such a higher nature that it's not like any negative emotion lasts. I mean, people feel pain and sorrow for people who they love, who, you know, and some of them even say, you know, some so-and-so is not here because they did, they're still working on some things and they're working on qualifying for uh, where we are. And, uh, and so there's a recognition of that there's negative things out there and, and, and there's still negative emotion um, on the other side. I mean, people are throwing temper tantrums. If that's not showing uh, depth of emotion, I don't know what it is, I guess. But, but just this awkwardness kind of, 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 and maybe I'm reading too much into it. She says, I expect to go with her, but it was communicated to me that she just didn't think she would do that. It sounds like weird wording until you realize the context and she was going to go have to force her back into the body in order to, for her to, you know, she wanted to go back. She just didn't want to have to go back into the body, which obviously doesn't make sense and, and so forth. It's kind of like, you know, a kid who's excited to go to a pool and, and doesn't want to stay out of the pool, but they get there and the pool is kind of cold and, and they're like, they know they're going to have a great time once they're in or they know they're not going to regret getting in, but there will be that moment of just like, no, I can't do this. I don't want to. And, and so she's kind of holding back and her uncle says, I can do it. <laughs> I'll give her that shove if she needs it. <laughs> so that's kind of interesting. Um, the note that she talks about, this doesn't come up in the BBC description. In fact, uh, the BBC See, description starts with the whir of the uh, of the drill, and is a horrible sound. From what she says, it reminds her of a dentist office, and and it's got this just horrible repelling sound. You know, it's just made it a horrible experience. But she describes before that, she says she heard the sound of a natural D. And she says it felt like it was it was calling me, like it was it was creating a road or a frequency to travel on. And you know what does that mean? I I don't know. That's that's bizarre. Uh, is it is it like this sound is kind of like, you know, resonance is an interesting thing. I'm a musician and and I love resonance. I I I'll be humming a tune or whistling a tune or something, and I'll walk past a particular corner of a hallway or something. And all of a sudden, a particular note just, whoom, it just, it just, this note resonates in the spot. And I'll stop in the spot, and I'll whistle different notes, but none of them resonate except that one. And it just, whoo, you know, and it's, and it's like, this area resonates that note. And it, which puts across the idea that different resonances, meaning different notes, will react differently with different, uh, sizes, shapes of, of things, different kinds of things. Is there, is what Pam trying to say, is, is she saying that there is a natural frequency in the universe that propels this call toward the light? I don't know. I don't know. That's, it's weird and interesting to me. Is it like this resonant frequency, you know, of 
walking along and suddenly that note woof stands out and and you know is there this pull into this tunnel if you will into the road if you will as she puts it uh, um, through the frequency interesting I, I i don't know but uh very interesting I will additionally say that this uh, concept of frequency, or this question of frequency, seems to come up often in near-death experience and uh, NDE research. Um, that, you know, the universe has a frequency, the earth has a frequency, and I don't know what they mean by that. Some people use the word vibration, which in a sense is another form of the word frequency, and, you know, I hear frequency and I think, oh, music, you know, note whatever, but uh, somebody else would hear frequency and think, oh, radio, you know, or, or oh, there, you know, a, a, a vibration or, or, or uh, you know, light spectrum or whatever. I don't know. There's what exactly frequency is that they're talking about. Some people say, oh, it's all frequency. It's all frequency. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean, there's so many things. Um, you could say that everything we see is frequency because of the light frequency. You could say everything we hear is sound frequency, you know, and therefore everything's frequency. Is that what they mean? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but it seems that there's more to it than that. It seems like there's something deeper. So anyway, um, if you would like to leave a message with us, uh, either an experience, uh, you just have some thoughts, um, comments to make, or if you have a question, uh, give us a call. The, we have a number. It is 970-NDE-CAST or 970-633-2278. What you'll get is a voicemail. You will not, there will not be anybody pick up. It will, you'll hear a little, you know, please state your name or something. You can just say anonymous or you can state your name. We will include it if it's included and uh, I think that's included in the message that I get I'll have to I'll have to double check that but uh, anyway I'd love to share it on the podcast and um, so you know call and, and leave a message or comment on the blog um, any way that you can get in contact with me I would love to uh, share uh, your questions and your experiences I'd love for this to be a place where people can call in their experiences eventually, you know, to the, uh, you know, once we get the new website up and so forth, which should be coming soon. Um, I'd, I'd love to have it be a thing where people can call and and share their message, much like they do with enderf.org uh, and ions.org, um, near-death.org, where you can get on these sites and type in your experience. I want you to be able to pick up your phone, call this number, share your experience, and hang up and know that this is going to go to the world for people to hear. And it's a nice place to be able to do it because, you know, if my guess is that your experience is very sacred, sacred and special to you. And you don't want to go blabbing it to people who are going to be like, uh-huh, she's crazy, or whatever. Um... But you would like to share it with those who understand, who have been there, who are have been coming across these things and studying these things and want to understand more. And this is a place to do that because the audience here 
there's a buffer of all the experiences around before and after this that maybe they've heard an episode and go, okay, this guy's nuts, this this subject is just bizarre, so never mind, and then they don't listen anymore. Most people who come came because they were searching or they were it was recommended to them, and they listen and they go, huh, that's interesting, there's something here, or else they go, yep, this is totally, I dig this, you know, and so most people hearing your experience are going to be people who are believe you, believing you about your experience or that are fascinated by it and want to hear more. And that's why they're here. So it's kind of a safe place, albeit being a very public worldwide audience. So I invite you to share your experience if you feel so inclined. But again, if you don't, if you feel like there's aspects also that you don't want to share that would not be appropriate, too personal, too spiritual to you, whatever. I totally get that. I totally understand it. Maybe if you have questions or comments, even if you just want to say, you know what, I had an experience like this, I'm not going to share it with you, but I just want to say, yes, this is happening out there and I can attest to it. That is something that's really meaningful to those who are just kind of trying to gather data, trying to say, is this real or are these just, you know, is this like UFO sightings where you have this guy over here in Argentina and this guy over here and whatever and and I don't know I haven't done UFO research I just put that as an example because my understanding is you know or flat earth believers and so forth there's a number of people who believe these things but they just don't have evidence for it uh, enough evidence to uh, to convince the world I think as far as near-death experiences is concerned there's no way around it at this point there are average of 700 Americans per day having near-death experiences. At least last I heard, and that was in like 2015 or something like that. So there's probably even more since then that have been recorded in some way um, as happening. And there's probably more than that because there's people who are having nearly dying experiences and if it's about 1 in 10, then it's actually probably a much greater number than the 700 per day. So anyway, we'd love to hear from you. And to the rest of you, and to all of you really, I thank you so much again for listening. <laughs>